Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica. I'm hearing a lot of sound. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 2nd, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book, forward to the second edition, and we are at paragraph 3, which begins, While the Internal Difficulties. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Melanie, 12 Traditions, Anne, and then Katie, Paula, and Marcia. And the share code for yesterday, the 1st of April, is 4200, 4200. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Melanie to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Marcia. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon. The 12 steps. Number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Best. Thank you, Melanie. I will now ask Anne S. to read the 12 traditions, please. 
Uh, hi, good morning. My name is Anna Kapulska, reader of the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige to third us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized. We may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Seven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Anne. How How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we're resuming our study of the big book, and we are in the forward to the second edition on page XIX, the bottom paragraph, the last paragraph there, which starts, While the Internal Difficulties. And I will ask Katie to start reading, please. Good morning, I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. While the internal difficulties of our adolescent period were being ironed out, public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds. For this, there were two principal reasons, the large numbers of recovery and reunited homes. These made their impressions everywhere. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. Other thousands came to a few AA meetings and at first decided they didn't want the program. 
but great numbers of these, about two out of three, began to return as time passed. Well, you know, those numbers just sound so um, amazing. And I've been in areas where, you know, a meeting really took off and there was just, you know, tons of people coming and, you know, I don't think we want on this line to debate um, what, why, you know, this isn't the case today. I don't even know that it's the case in an AA meeting. Um, all I know is I have a message to carry, and my responsibility is to carry the message. I can't, I'm not sure who is going to be that person who is ready to um, to surrender to this program and is ready to um, work the steps and put down the food. My job is to carry the message, and God is the one who um, effectuates that change. And so this uh, line, other thousands came to a few AA meetings and at first decided they and at first decided they didn't want the program, but great numbers of these, about two out of three, began to return as time passed. And that's, you know, that's the message of hope for me, is that as long as I keep carrying a positive message, you know, that this program works under all conditions, that I um, have stayed abstinent and sober for more than two decades, that uh, there is a way out from this hell that I was living in, um, then I'm doing my job. And the disease will do its job and convince someone that they need this program. And I'm just grateful that um, there's so many people on this phone line who are looking for a way out. And uh, so with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Okay, uh, this is Monica. I'll go ahead and jump in here. Oh, a lot is said in this paragraph, and I, I see a lot, a lot, a lot of hope in this paragraph. You know, for there were two principal reasons for why AA grew in, le- in leaps and bounds. The large numbers of recoveries and reunited homes. You know, these first 100 knew, had a solution here. They had a solution, and it's called the steps and working the steps. And it worked. Nothing else had ever worked. This was working. And they had large numbers of recoveries. And this was coming, you know, when a time when there was nothing for alcoholics. You know, they, they, there was three ways they were going to end up. They were going to end up dead. They were going to end up in jail or in, a, or in a sane asylum. And here, they were recovering. They were recovering. They were going back to work. Their homes were getting unite, reunited. You know, a lot of these peoples were bottom, bottom, bottom drunks, and they had lost everything. They had nothing. The only thing they were doing was drinking. So what they did really worked. And I wanted to go on because of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. So right there, we're being told that they had a 75% success rate. What they did was working. And my sponsors pointed out to me this next part. 
And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. And you know, that gave me a lot of hope when I came into, when I started the big book process here. When she explained to me that they had a 75% success rate. But that bottom 25%, there's still a lot of hope there. They had shown improvement. And that's where I was when I started. I was in that bottom 25%. I was looking for that recovery still. I was still. Um, but there had been a lot of improvement. And that gave me a lot of hope. And I didn't feel like such a big misfit and that I didn't fit. And and it gave me a lot of hope. So I always like to to point that out. But what they did really worked. And what was it they were doing back then? They were working the big book. When they got together... They talked big book or they had speaker meetings. You know, this was in the days before discussion meetings started and, uh, and other literature came out. All they had was the big book and recovered people speaking and sharing. And what a difference it made. And with that, I'm going to pass. And would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Good morning. This is Sonia, and I'm a compulsive eater. Good morning, Sonia. Go ahead. Um, I was also struck by those two principal reasons, and I think it it shows to me again why abstinence is my greatest service. Um, I, you know, the abstinent lunch that I'm going to have with colleagues at lunch today, the abstinent dinner that I'm going to have again with a business dinner this evening. Um, there are lots of things I have to do today, but those are the most important things that I can do to help those still suffering that the people around me may be and may know. And it was one of the principal reasons that AA spread as it did, because people saw it. They didn't even take the time to look into how the recovered person's homes looked until they saw them sober, on the streets, not stumbling, drunk, not with the physical ramifications of the drunk they had the night before or the weekend before, but sober. And it's the same thing for me. Nobody will look beyond if they cannot see past where I am at with my health. And it is so crucial for me to do that service if I truly want to bring this to life in OA, what happened for AA. Absolutely crucial. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sonia. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Good morning. Please, Paula. Thank you. This would be Paula Recovered Compulsive Rita. You know, this is true for today. These made their impressions everywhere, wherever we go, wherever we go, whatever meeting we attend, pick up a phone. And I, I, I love that where you go to work. We are always going. We're always going somewhere or someplace. So what impression do we make? And this part here of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, jeez, wasn't I always really trying? But the... The thing that had to come together here was more really tried. That desire had to be 100%, and the willingness had to come along with it. And that is what propelled me forward, to come to that place. 
But look at what it says. Sobered up after some relapses. Even hope there. Even hope there. God is still working. Do you think he leaves during the relapse? Or does he work more effectively because we're more ready? I don't know, but I love this but great. And I'm going to go down to the scoot right to that bottom line. But, and there it is. But great number of these, about two out of three. May I add, I was one of those. I was one of those that came back and came back to stay, began to return as time passed. So there again, hope. Thank you again for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Patricia. May I share? Go ahead, Patricia. I just wanted to, something just um, occurred to me um, in the very beginning um, sentence. While the internal difficulties of the adolescence period were being ironed out, public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds. To me, for me, now this is just for me, the eternal difficulties of the adolescence period, for me, that's now. And as I keep making mistakes with my selfishness and making mistakes, I'm still studying and I'm still here and I'm still doing this. And, you know, pretty soon I am going to be, well, not pretty soon, but, you know, as time passes, I'm going to get, I'm going to get the new life, the real new life. And I'm not going to keep on falling back into my old stuff. And I believe that, you know, as I, as I keep changing to the new behavior, you know, anyways, I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Good morning. Penny E. here with my two cents. Good morning, Penny. Go ahead. Good morning. 50% uh, who really tried, and I can't help but think that they really tried by following the directions. You know, following the directions. It's so easy for us to uh, think that we're an exception and I don't have to do that or I don't have to do this or... We have a food problem. We don't have an alcohol problem. But I think if the precise directions really try to me, I interpret that as meaning as following the directions precisely as they're written. Thanks for letting me share, and have a God-filled day, everybody. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Okay, let's move on then to the next paragraph. Paula, can you read the next paragraph, please? This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Another reason for the wide acceptance of AA was the ministration of friends, friends in medicine, religion, and the press, together with innumerable others who became our able and persistent advocates Without such support, AA could have made only the slowest progress. Some of the recommendations of AA's early medical and religious friends will be found further on in this book. And I will stop there. You know, 
here it stops, the acceptance of AA, of friends. But look at friends in high places, we always say. Oh, sweetheart, friends in high places coming to friends in low places. We were at the bottom of the barrel. The top shelf came by our side because of what they saw. Not that just charity. It wasn't just charity involved here. Read at the back of the book. What does it say at the back of the There's the medical. There's, there's Dr. Harry Top. These were big, huge names. In that time, Dr. Foster Kennedy, a neurologist, Dr. Kirby, a psychiatrist. I mean, this is what came together. What did they see? They saw walking miracles is what they saw. They said, there's no hope, but wait, how could that be? We just said there was no hope, and there comes hope walking in. All over, and what did the Lasker Award that was given to AA, that, that was in recognition. They recognized it. They saw it for what it is. And what did they even say to her? Historians may one day recognize Alcohol, Alcohol Anonymous to have been a great venture in social pioneered, pioneering, which forged that word has been brought to my front by a dear, dear friend of mine, my sponsor, a new instrument for social action, a new therapy based on the kinship. Look, at what's being forged here of common suffering, one having a vast potential for the merit other ills of mankind. Like there was no limit here. But may I say what I saw to here as I was reading? Those within us. We must have hope. Look at what happened, what we can bring. And you say, and I, yes, one. No, but we see what a spark does, what a spark can set going. So we go to our meetings. We come to this meeting. We take what we can. We learn, and then we pass it on. We pass it on. But it says here, some of the recommendations of AA's early medical and religious friends will be found further on in this book. Yep. This book tells it all, honey, and then you get to live it all. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Okay, I'll jump in here then. Another reason for wide acceptance of AA was administration, the serving of friends, friends in medicine, religion, and press. Together with innumerable others who became our able and persistent advocates. You know, a big part of that was the fact that this book went out. And and um, for the first time in print, they were being, it was being explained that we had a disease. It was a twofold disease. There was a physical aspect, the allergy, the abnormal reaction to the alcohol that alcoholics have, and the obsession of the mind. That, but that this was a disease. It wasn't a matter of willpower or being weak or being a sinner. And there was getting results. 75% success rate. You can't sneeze at that. And 
recoveries and, you know, these bottom-down gutter drunks picking them, you know, being recovered, being sober, being able to go back to work, being able to be reunited with their families and be responsible people and do what, you know, and do what they were needing to do that, that they couldn't do before. And so, you know, all this ministration of the friends, you know, friends in medicine. And I think the same thing's happening with us today. You know, the medical profession are, are kind of, you know, many times throwing their hands up in the air. They don't know what to do with us. What to do with us. You know, we uh, um, we don't listen. We, we, we try, but and they don't understand us. And they're not seeing much for recovery happening. So we're hoping here that we can, with this book in our hand here, one person would to another recovered, to another um, compulsive overeater, that we can pass this message along that the answers are in, or in this book, the solution, working the steps. But thank God that there was recovery. And then the people in medicine and religion, you know, these are helping people. They had been trying to help alcoholics. And didn't know how, because they were also missing the information. And then they saw this, and they went, whoa, wow, this is wonderful. Let's hop in and help these people. This is amazing. And with that, it really took off. And we were very, very thankful to these people that read the book and saw the recoveries and helped us out, too. And I'm going to pass with that. And would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Lois. Can I share? Go ahead, Lois. Good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm so I'm I'm very excited to be you know to beginning this book. <clears throat> excuse me, with with you all as a recovered uh, compulsive overeater, and um, and and so I you know I I think of what you know what does this mean to me a sole little person here? What can I do? You know, um, and 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 I know that um, I can bring. My my spirit wherever I go. First of all, you know when I go, I went to the doctors. I've lost I've lost and kept off my weight, a lot of weight. And uh, when I went two weeks ago, you know he he's very happy. He keeps telling me what I weigh now, what I used to weigh when I first went with him. And I told him all about OA. You know I said uh, you know if you ever have any patients who are struggling, you know with compulsive overeating, tell them uh, you know OA works for me and whatever. And everywhere I go, I bring myself, whether I go to the supermarket, whether I go for a walk in the neighborhood, um, and how I treat other people, you know, is, is I, don't, I don't tell them about OA, of course, right off the bat, but, you know, they, they see the change in me, I, I hope they do, and, and the way I answer them and be civil and kind to them, they, I am witnessing in that way. And then we carry the message um, with, with when we go to my meetings. I carry that message. I always talk about the the, the program, uh, the power, uh, the problem, and then the solution in the big book. So that that is my message wherever I go, as far as OA meetings. And then on this line here, you know, I witness whenever I whenever I um, have an opportunity to add something. You know, I I do that as a message of hope, so that. Somebody who maybe likes to hear it in another way. We all we all have different ways of contributing to this to this message, and um, and that when I do that, you know, I hope that maybe somebody can hear it in the way they need to hear it. So in in every way, I'm I'm witnessing, and I try to remember that that you know my my primary purpose is 
to stay abstinent and to um, be of service and help others recover from compulsive overeating. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Lois. Would anyone else like to share in this paragraph? Hi, this is Hi, Melanie. This is Melanie. Okay, I heard someone else, and I heard Melanie. Sheila. Sheila, Sheila. and then Melanie. Hi, I'm Sheila, composed for Eater. I just wanted to share um, bringing attention to friends, friends in medicine, religion, and the press together with innumerable others. Um, with this program, I'm reminded with this paragraph that it's a we, not a me. A lot of times when I'm not in a good space or not feeling recovery or hopeful, I'm thinking it's all on me and I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to survive this. And then I reach out to a fellow or a fellow reaches out to me and I'm reminded that we don't walk alone with this disease. Thanks. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sheila. Melanie, go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Melanie, compulsive overeater, recovered here in Oregon. Another reason for the widespread acceptance of AA was administration of friends. And what I was thinking about here is the, the piece in the uh, big book, um, in the doctor's opinion, fourth edition on um, XXVIII, which says the message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. And when I think about my particular kind of personality and thinking when I came in here and I and I saw um, maybe one person, maybe two persons in the OA rooms that, that had been in a normal body weight and, and talked about um, having a food plan that was working for them, and I was so excited about that um, and wanted that so much, I couldn't find a way to get what they had. And then as time went on and I um, saw greater numbers and and uh, a, a common solution being worked out and a real, real process that told me about the depth and weight, I found that when there were greater numbers, I started moving from that woe is me or... Um, oh, yeah, right, that's going to work for you, but not for me, kind of thinking. When I saw that there were more, I started getting that flicker, that little tiny flicker of hope for me that it might apply to me, that it might be big enough for poor Melanie's woes that would get across. And Paul started talking about and naming some of the people that were associated, and, and I just wanted to add a couple that I thought about that weren't mentioned at that particular time, and it was certainly Carl Jung. I mean, can you imagine? we Freud wasn't available, so they go to Jung. You know, Roland Hazard did. My gosh, you know, how much bigger than that? And if they're going to say they're going to be, that might be big enough for Melanie's ego. <laughs> you know, Melanie's need to be able to pull me, pull me through with my doubt, you know, of this kind of thing. And then John D. Rockefeller, my goodness. And, and this, you know, this Saturday Evening Post, all these folks that they had this contact with, these big, big people, maybe that's going to get my attention. And clearly, in fact, it did. And that's what I think that they're talking about here in this particular situation. Not only was it working, you know, the 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 100 that and beyond by probably by this time that had come and had been recovered out of the depths of absolute hopelessness. There was nothing that that was going to work. They were doomed, and that talks about that in the big book. Um, but beyond, you know, beyond that number, there there were truly, truly bona fide. Um, legitimate respected people with credentialing that also said this was not a, this was not a fake this is not a fraud there was there was evidence true evidence to back it up and um so I go back to that piece in uh, the doctor's opinion on XXVIII it says it had depth it needed to have it must 
have depth and weight to hold a person like me, and that's what's coming through here. With that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Judith. Judith, go ahead. Thanks. Judith in Vermont. Um, another reason for the wide acceptance of AA was the ministration of friends in medicine, religion, and the press. And um, yesterday, or the previous page on XVIII, we read about John D. Rockefeller and his uh, the party he gave for us, for AA. And um, on page 572, it says, speaking at a dinner given by John D. Rockefeller Jr. to introduce Alcoholics Anonymous to some of his friends, Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick remarked, I think that psychologically speaking, there's a point of advantage in the approach that is being made in this movement that cannot be duplicated. I suspect that if it is widely, wisely handled, and it seems to be in wise and prudent hands, there are doors of opportunity ahead of this project that may surpass our capacities to imagine. So I just pray that somebody says that about OA um, when they see what's happening among us and when they see that the obesity epidemic has an answer, in fact. So I, I think all on this line are probably praying for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judith. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Yes, this is Penny C. Go ahead, Penny. Hi. Um, you know, when it talks about the assistance, the ministrations, the assistance of religious people, medical people, it just makes such sense. Of course, of course, they these people would um, welcome and want to spread the word about a program or way that worked for these alcoholics. Up till this point, these these medical and religious people and, and others were were frustrated. They had no nothing nothing substantive to give their their um uh clients, um their 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 um congregation, their their um advisees they had nothing to give them that had worked. And so the excitement, I can just imagine when I'm reading, you know, the Dr. Bob's, Dr. Bob's in, in the, the, um, the good old time is um, in, in his work with, with um, religious nuns, Sister Ignatia, they must have been just um, so, so excited to see that for once, that recovery was happening, and and how could they help but but um, want to spread this word? And uh, we're very fortunate that they did. But it makes just makes good sense. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Hi, this is Eileen C. May I share? Eileen, go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Eileen C. from Massachusetts. You know, it's so exciting to be back at the beginning of this book because I have traveled a journey for um, six months now that has led me into recovery and now sponsoring people, and I never, ever, ever would have imagined it. And I think the key for me was not only the discovery of my higher power and the the fortunate 
the fortunate event that brought my great sponsor to me, but it's the fellowship. It's the fact that so many people from all different walks of life suddenly share the same thing that I have been dealing with my whole life in isolation. And this, all these paragraphs that talk about all the differences between people as far as where they've come from, the paths they've taken, their religious beliefs, their cultural beliefs, their experiences, all these things make us different. But it was all of the reaching out and the welcoming to me as a newcomer that held me to this program and that has been able to lead me along to where I am today. It's an amazing, powerful process, and it's so exciting to be at the very beginning of this book because when I came in, A Vision for You was much further along into the book, and I did go back and and read and listen to some of the recordings from when you folks were covering, when we were covering these passages, but to be doing it now live, having gone through the 12 steps and experienced the psychic change, it's, it's just so exciting to me. And I just want to pass along to any newcomers out there that, that this works and you should have hope and just keep keep on keeping on. Stay with this group, stay with this book, follow these steps your life will definitely change. With that, I'll pass. Thank you all. Thank you, Eileen. And Marsha, can we move on to the next paragraph, please? Yes. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great. This is Marsha. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious organization. Neither does AA take any particular medical point of view though we cooperate widely with the men of medicine as well as with men of religion. Um, This reminds me of, as I was thinking about this, when I was a child, one of my greatest fears was getting on the scale at my doctor's office. And even though he really didn't give me a whole lot of grief about it, I certainly got a grief grief about it from my parents. Um, And throughout my adult life, uh, doctors showed great care and concern about my weight. And... um, to walk in there um, at, at a normal weight and, and to have them and, and their nurse and, and whoever ask me, well, how did you do it? And to very gratefully say, Overeaters Anonymous. And and to get them to go, huh, really? Um, what? There's nothing better, there's no better way to show that, that OA works than to show that physically here I am, 140 pounds lighter than my highest weight ever and to say this is how I did it and this is how it's staying off of me um it's a real um demonstration of what higher power can do you know once it's applied but you know it it there there are lots of literature there's lots of literature out there that can explain it a lot better than I do and I know early in OA that there were um medical profession professionals that have spoken and written in the um in the back of the OA Brown book and uh have offered their uh support for this program and um that then the literature that's available there are pamphlets to the clergy there's introducing OA to the healthcare professionals there's the courier it's an annual newsletter that goes out it's directed at hospitals there's 
public information service manuals and professional outreach manuals. I mean, the literature is there, but that doesn't do anything unless there is a person standing there carrying the message of recovery as a recovered person. And I know that, that my doctors have taken another look at that, and, and I don't know if that's a way, if, if, if what this program has done for me can demonstrate to a medical professional what can be done for somebody else, then, then, then maybe that's God's, God is using me as that vessel. And, and who could be a better advocate for what OA can do than, you know, those who see the people who are, have been, have diabetes and no longer have to take their diabetic medication or those who are, are no longer 150, you know, 200 pounds overweight, whatever, or, or even, ten, you know, 20 pounds underweight. What, what a, you know, I, if I'm a recovered person and I walk into my doctor's office after years and years of him trying to get me to lose weight because my blood pressure is too high, and he asks me how I do it, and I tell him, and that I have done my part in carrying the message, and um, and that's sometimes all we can do is is be recovered to carry the message, and when when I've been asked how I did it, I say it's Overeaters Anonymous. When I ask colleagues, or when colleagues at work ask me how I did it, I tell them Overeaters Anonymous, and if that helps to get somebody else in the doors of OA to get recovery, then I thank God that I was able to do that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcia. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Suzanne. Go ahead, Suzanne. Hi, this is Suzanne, North Jersey Compulsive Overeater. I just wanted to reiterate uh, what other people said about speaking to their doctor and being the vessel for the message because, in fact, it was my doctor who suggested OA. And when I went back to her about three months later and she saw my weight loss, she said, oh, what are you doing? And I said, well, I wanted to thank you because you said OA. And she had no recollection. It was as if she had never said it to anyone. So I've taken that as a message and a little miracle in and of itself. And I hope that she feels comfortable with mentioning it to other other people, other patients, because she had talked to me about supplements and the like, and I said, no, I, I don't think that that's my answer because I'll, when I stop them, I'll just go right back again. And um, she just said the words, and it, it was it was so strange to me <laughs> that she said that, and then I, I looked it up pretty quickly thereafter, but it took me another couple of months to get into the room. But um, sharing that back with her, I just... I, still find it interesting that she had no recollection of saying it, again, as if she had never actually suggested to any of her patients. So I just wanted to say that and how glad I was that I was able to reiterate it with her in the past. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? I'd like to share. This is Philomena. Philomena, Philomena, go ahead. And there is someone else? It was Diane. Diane. Okay, Philomena and then Diane. I'd just like to add on about the doctor also. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater and in recovery. And uh, my doctor, I was a diabetic for, for 20 years and was in denial, uh, very much so in denial. And when um, I hit bottom and my doctor said to me, you better do something about what your weight because 
you're in really bad shape. My A1C was 13.8. And so when uh, I hit bottom in 2010 and came to the doors of OA uh, and followed um, the directions from my home group, and uh, every three months I go back to the doctors for my diabetes, and uh, he saw the results. And I was able to give him a pamphlet for OA and show him, you know, uh, you know, He's seen the results, and he was so amazed that he's got so many patients that weren't were like me and denial and weren't listening. And he said, "You know, you're such a um, an example." And he said, "Can I can I tell your story?" And I gave him permission to do that. And uh, he passes on the OA message uh, because today I have reversed diabetes and uh, became healthy and have an A1C of 5.7 and. I, I owe it all to um, having a food plan that the doctors tried to get me on for 20 years and was in, in denial. But it's not just it's not just the food plan that's helped me now to get in recovery. It's it's the 12 steps, and I am just so grateful for it. And I pass. Thank you, Philomena. Diane, go ahead. Hi, uh, my name is Diane. <laughs> Recovered compulsive overeater. Just give me a minute, please. <laughs> I believe that I am truly a miracle in this program because last year I came in here again. I don't know how many times I came back into OA. And I came back again because I was desperate. I couldn't stop eating. And I can tell you today that I'm a different person today. I came back to this program and I threw myself into the steps with my sponsor and we worked on it for a long time. And today I can say I'm a recovered, recovered compulsive overeater. But a year ago, I was a totally different person. And I, I was that allergy of the body and obsession of the mind when I heard that, when I came into the, um, a, a year ago, came into the, phone meetings. I never heard that before in all the years I was in program and it made so much sense to me. And here I am today. I believe a miracle. I've never been, I've never felt so wonderful. I've never had, um, you know, this, when I went to the doctors last year, like everybody was just saying, I, um, my triglyceride was in the 300s. I was headed down the road of you know, starting on diabetic medication. I was taking cholesterol, blood pressure. My life was a mess, and I knew that 10 years I might not be here. I knew that. My family tried so hard with me, but it didn't work. I had to want to do it. I had to want to do it. And and so I came into this program. I did what was told, and today my my triglycerides at 84. My life is so changed. I'm such a different person today. I treat people differently. I've lost my life all because of putting the food down, you know, and having a a different God today, going to God for everything in my life and and, um, and just, just being the person that I always wanted to be. What a wonderful gift. What a wonderful gift. And, and so for you out there who are listening every day and, you know, you're listening because you really want it, 
just do it. Just give it a try. Do it. Do what's suggested to you, and your life will change too. I'm, I'm a changed person. Thank you, God, and, and thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Diane. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. What hope we're hearing here this morning. And thank God, like it says here, Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious organization. Thank God it isn't. We are a spiritual fellowship. We have a spiritual disease, and we need a spiritual solution. And that's what OA has to offer. The spiritual solution. Because we've tried, you know, uh, our, our, the religious way hasn't, is very good, but it wasn't enough for me. Something was missing. And the medical point of view, there was something missing there. You know, they could hand me all the diets over the years and tell me I needed to do it, but there was something missing. And what was that? I needed a higher power. I have a twofold disease. And the, and the food plan, you know, is good. Putting the, the plug in the jug is good for the physical allergy part of the disease. But that mental obsession, I needed something more. And it's a spiritual solution. And how did I find that? I found that spiritual solution through working the steps, taking action and following the steps and I got that spiritual solution, that relationship with God, that personality change, that spiritual awakening that has given me recovery. And thank God that we are a spiritual fellowship here, that we can speak to everyone and anyone and there not be difficulties with particulars of religion and medicine. And with that, I'm going to pass. And would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Okay, Katie, would you read the next paragraph, please? Okay, so we're at alcohol is not a religious organization? Alcohol being no respecter. Okay. I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater. Alcohol, being no respecter of persons, we are an accurate cross-section of America, and in distant lands, the same democratic evening-up process is now going on. By personal religious affiliation, we include Catholics, Protestants, Jews, Hindus, and a sprinkling of Muslims and Buddhists. More than than 15% of us are women. Well, um, I love this. And I'm grateful that, um, you know, that it says it's in here, that it's no respecter of persons. It's, you know, the ground is, is level um, when it comes to this disease. And I uh, had to learn not to, um, not to worry about what the other person's occupation was. I, I had this knack for um, finding sponsors who... You know, I would I would read them my, you know, what I felt like was such uh, ridiculous writing, and find out they had a PhD, and you know that would um, in the beginning that really that really intimidated me. But then, as I learned, you know, to get to know people 
first as who and what they are as an addict and as a recovering person, then, you know, that didn't, um, that didn't matter anymore. And, you know, we, um, there's just no prejudice in this, in these rooms. We are all, we have a common um, problem and we have a common solution. We cannot buy recovery. We can have all the education in the world and it's not going to bring about this psychic change. It, it requires a higher power who is above all of those things. And, you know, of course, in, a, in OA, we have way more than 15% of us are women. I'm sure it's quite the opposite. I don't know what the statistics are of men versus women, but it's, it's huge. And, um, but that's what I, you know, that's why I think this program works so well because uh, we do not um, stand on any um, particular religion. We don't stand on any particular um, social class, and we are willing to share this recovery with anyone who wants it. And uh, it's you know, I, I know that um, people can have divisions, and that's what they went through in the beginning. They went through a lot of growing pains because they were trying to get people into a particular uh, religious way of thinking. Um, they didn't really think that women belonged in meetings. They didn't really think that uh, the the high-bottom drunk was ready for recovery and all of those prejudices have been put aside. No one can decide when someone's ready. Um, you can be uh, on this line today for the first time and, you know, hang up and walk out of here a free, a free person by picking up these spiritual tools and, and following these steps. It doesn't matter. Everybody's bottom doesn't have to be the same. And, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to share in this paragraph? Good morning. Melanie. Lisa. Hi. This is- Hi, Melanie. This is Becky. Okay. Melanie, Lisa, Becky. This is Becky. Okay. Yes, thank you. Okay, Melanie, and then Lisa, and then Becky. Go ahead, Melanie. Hi, good morning again. My name is Melanie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and this speaks very, very loudly to me of the traditions and the, sense of the paragraph that mentioned before that AA is not a religious organization, uh, nor do they take any particular medical point of view, and then we go on to show that the model and the example of that is that these numbers are starting to even out, that, um, that there was this, this idea that you could come up with your own concept. There was this idea that uh, the medical professions of all kinds were starting to to take notice of what was going on here. And I believe the practice, what this tells me, the practice of the truth of the idea and the integrity of the idea that we have um, this this common solution and it doesn't require any of these kinds of things. That their um, history books, and of course it doesn't say that here, but the history books and discuss the idea that um, a gentleman came in was absolutely atheist, clear through, and there was debate and quite spirited discussion about the fact that this man gets to come in 
because he says so, because he says he's an alcoholic. And they absolutely honored and respected those kinds of things after a time when they knocked this kind of stuff out. And the proof of that is that, is that through that kind of integrity and focusing, keeping the main focus on the common ailment and the common solution, building those bridges in, that the numbers were starting to show that even in that, in that state, these extreme differences, talking about religion, talking about other kinds of issues, maybe even politics at this point, nothing was going to keep these folks from understanding and, and seeing this common solution, keeping fo- narrowly focused, leaving all this other stuff out, get back to the point, get back to the point, get back to the point and focus on that common solution, the common problem. And um, I, I believe the tradition supported that and the painstaking effort painstaking effort to practice that in practical application with that in mind and with that I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Lisa, go ahead. Hi, good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Lisa from South Jersey. And this is so, so beautiful. This meeting has just been incredible this morning, and as it is every morning. But I wanted to focus on, um, by personal religious affliction, we include Catholics, Protestants, Jews, Hindus, and a sprinkling of Muslims and Buddhists, Um, and a sprinkling of however many other different um, religious people are on this line and in this program. The beauty of that comes from the fact that this is not a religious organization that it is a spiritual one, and this has already been stated, and I may be being redundant, but when I hear that line, and it just reminds me that there is one, one higher power, one God. It doesn't matter what you call it. It doesn't matter your comprehension of it. All that matters is that you surrender to it. Give your life to it and allow it, allow it to determine your course of action each day. These steps have saved my life, and I'm so, so very grateful. And when I, when I read that line, I, I think of a, um, a song that says, you know, we are one in the spirit, and we are. It doesn't matter about our differences, um, and that's the beauty and gift of this program. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Lisa. Becky, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Becky, and I'm a compulsive overeater in Maryland. Thank you for allowing me to share. What really resonated with me in this paragraph is that this disease of compulsive overeating is, is, is a disease of isolation, and I thought I was the only one in the world that had this disease. And as I can see by this paragraph, no, there is so many of us all across, all across the world, different religions, across America, different places, that I am not alone, that this disease knows no boundaries, unfortunately. But the good news is, is that no matter where I go, I can find a, a meeting that might be filled with different people with different religious backgrounds, and there's this fellowship that that we are united 
as one, that we can identify all together as compulsive overeaters. And no matter, and I, I'm, a, I'm a creature of travel. I love to travel. And not long ago, I was in a completely different state and went to a meeting, walked in and, and didn't know anybody. And all these different walks of life, as this paragraph says here, different religious backgrounds, women, men, different races, colors, creeds, we were all united together. And at the end of the meeting, we became instant long long life friends, and we continued to, to talk about program and, and recovery. And I just wanted to share that with this disease of isolation, we see right here, no, we are we are so many across the world and together under under the spiritual realm of recovery, we can together find a solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. And I want to thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Paula, can you read a vision for you, please? Yes, I can. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, one of many. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.